favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I'm Kayla, and I am with... Noah and... Kristen Fanis. Oh my gosh, we have the same last name. It's true, two KPs in one place. I said in our last episode that we ha- were having a guest who was kind of related to me. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Because... <laughs> You weren't related by blood, but you are married to my brother. Correct. Yes. Yeah, we have a special guest for our new series. This is the first episode of the new series. Mm -hmm. Noah, do you want to explain a little bit what this new series is? Sure, yeah. So we went through a lot of names, most of them not very good, but we settled on triple feature for the series where we're going to have guests on sharing their uh, three favorite movies or just three movies that they love and kind of giving their background on film, their background on why they love movies, and also kind of explaining why they love those certain three movies. And it's going to be fun, get a lot of cool opinions, a lot of fun voices, and we're excited to get going. Yeah, so Kristen, you're our guinea pig on this one. Yes. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So how about you introduce first kind of just who you are before we get into any kind of movie stuff, what you do, what your life is like. Yeah, totally. So uh, I'm Kristen, and I'm an actress, and I went to school for theater. And when I graduated, I moved to Philly because that's where my family's from. Uh, They're like right outside Philadelphia. So then I moved into Philly with Zach, Kayla's brother. And um, we jumped into the theater scene there. And so for me, that was a couple things. I was doing some stage managing, um, assistant stage managing as well. And I was doing some acting and we were there for three years and Around our third year there, I was like, I really love this. I love the community. I love the theater scene. And Philly has a really thriving theater community. Um, And so there's like a lot of people who are making their living as actors, directors, writers, all that kind of stuff, which is super awesome. But I realized that I wanted to do more film and television uh, and more screen acting. So I did a couple projects in Philly. I did one feature film that was really fun. And I felt really good about it. And so um, around February of 2019, Zach and I decided that we were going to move. And so we ended up moving to Los Angeles. So I've been living in L.A. since October. And it's been really fun. We love it. I love Southern California. But also I love the film industry. Uh, It's just amazing. It's so cool to be a part of. And... I had a really good experience, a really good transition jumping into that market. Um, It can be really tough, uh, as everybody knows, you know, the entertainment industry is really, really hard to break into, but I had a pretty smooth transition. Since I moved there, I was able to start working pretty much right away, doing some smaller projects, Um, some short films. I did a couple student films too, just to meet some people and make some connections. Yeah, (laughs) student films are the best because everybody's so collaborative. So I love that as well. And uh, in November, I booked a job on the Disney Channel doing some like promotional stuff for their fine, fine film, Zombies 2. Not even wow, zombies. my sisters love that movie. <laughs> well, if you've watched Disney Channel, 
there's a little like before the sequel came out there was a little promo for it that was like let's give you a recap of everything that happened in zombies one and so i'm in that and i'm just like one of the people who's on this tour through the seabrook museum and i had a couple lines in it some of them got cut but i still got to say my big line Awesome. Yeah, That's so that fun. was really fun. Cool. And you have a little little baby too. Oh, I do. I am a very proud dog mom to my little darling, Penny, Penny Pie Fanif. She is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel with a little beagle. And she is literally the cutest fluff ball in the whole world. She's my darling. If you want to check out her Instagram, she's wow. Penny Fanif. So go give her a follow. We'll link it below. Awesome. Yeah, got to go follow Penny. She's very cute. Very sweet. Cool. Well, that sounds like fun. So you're not working right now, correct? Correct. So right now, um, the entertainment industry is on a little hiatus just because of COVID stuff. And so I have just been doing self-tapes from home. So I'm still auditioning, which is nice. Um, some commercials are still being made. And uh, I mean, this may be dated even by the time that you release this podcast. <laughs> but as of right now, um, it looks like things are supposed to gear up towards August, September, something like that. Mm. But it's right. always tough um, with like working out stuff between unions and making sure everything is safe. And a lot right. of the safety protocol that goes into filmmaking to protect um, every person involved is pretty expensive. And so mm. We'll see. I've been trying to keep my finger on the pulse um, and staying connected with the people that I know who are active, especially in network television, to kind of just learn what they're up to, learn what they're hearing. And so hopefully we'll be able to jump back into that in the near future. We also hope that the industry <laughs> oh, comes yes. back soon, yeah. just as yeah. consumers. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Well, and even making this podcast, like with no movies, we've been <laughs> yeah. racking our brains every week on, yeah. you know, what kind of content to make. Yeah, Not totally. that it affects us, like, financially, but... Well, and for actors and artists of all type, both in theater and in film, it's really sad to not be able to go to the theater. It's really sad yeah. to not experience these films and plays as a community which is the way they're intended to be experienced and so that's been really hard I think on everyone so I really yeah. sympathize with that. Was there a film you were really looking forward to that you don't get to see now like maybe a <laughs> summer feature or something? Um I'm trying to think of what there were a couple that were like on my list I'm like an AMC subscriber etc and so like I remember we had plans to see well the one we didn't get to see the week that everything shut down was the assistant with mm, Julia yeah. Gardner um right. which I really wanted to see and I haven't seen it yet because it's like you have to pay to see it and I'm like yeah right that's it, how but... we feel about stuff too yeah. you have to kind of pick and choose now like no, what you're yeah. gonna do especially when you're not working it's yes like... it's like yes. money's tight i still want to like keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening but i don't have like five bucks to spend every day to watch something new <laughs> right, right right yeah yeah i've been doing a lot of like rewatching old stuff on like netflix and hulu and hbo and stuff like the stuff that i missed from like yeah. before yeah. when it came yeah. out, you know, so. It's always good to clear up the back catalog a bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so 
one question that we had is what was the first movie you watched in theaters? Yeah, so my parents are are pretty avid consumers of movies, television, all that stuff, and that really has influenced how I've become a creative and artistic person, but my first movie in theaters was Barney's Great Adventure. Wow! <laughs> this is probably before both of your time, but <laughs> probably. it was fucking awesome. It was such a great movie. I loved Barney so much growing up, and I mean, I could sing all the songs. I knew everybody who was in his little clubhouse, all that kind of stuff, and so right, of I was course. like so into that. And uh, that was my first movie. And I was super scared of it because the sound, I I very vividly remember this. I was like probably four or five. The sound in the movie theater was so overwhelming to me. Mm. I had never like had an experience like that before. So I was really scared for a lot of it. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, right. But at the end of that movie, I also remember they like fly away in a big hot air balloon and like, the screen was so big to me that I thought, like, it was real. Like, I thought they were wow. flying away. Like, yeah. it's just so funny what you can, it like, is. what kind of experience it is when you're so little. Mm. <laughs> yeah, nothing like Noah's where he fell asleep. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> How many times are we going to bring this up? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've always been so engaged in that kind of stuff. Like, I've never mm. been yeah. able to fall asleep. And even from a young age, I was one of those kids who, like, I sobbed during movies. I was so emotionally invested, like, even when I was really little. Well, yeah, because especially when you're a kid, you don't, like you said, realize that it's not necessarily real, that it's a story being told Mm. in front of you. (laughs) So sometimes you have that attachment where, like, you see a character die and you're like, oh my, like, I don't know how to process (laughs) this. Yeah, yeah. So do you have a favorite genre of movie that you kind of are more drawn to more than others? Or are you just like... Besides Barney, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, that pervades into all my choices. But yeah, no. um, So for me, I am most drawn to... I, I even was like looking this up because I didn't know if there was a better name for it, but just comedy dramas. So yeah. I, I was trying to see if there was like a better term for that because I didn't want to say like indie comedy or indie drama because it's not necessarily Dramedy. that. Dramedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I was looking through my list of movies that I like and it's pretty much all small budget scripts that are very simple but are really strong comedy and have really strong moments of drama as well. Um, those are like the things that are really important to me. So like some of the movies that I really like are like, I really love The Farewell um, with Aquafina this year. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. One of my favorites is uh, Booksmart. I also love Jojo Rabbit. So those are like recent ones, but like Legally Blonde, I think falls into this because it's yes, like so funny, Blonde. but it also has moments of like real truth, um, real learning, Mm. real discovery, great characters, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't really care for stuff that has really high production value. Um, Like, I'm not really into much action-adventure or, like, sci-fi or fantasy or anything like that, per se. I also, this is important to note, I don't really like comedy for the sake of comedy. Um, So, like, I'm not really into a lot of the screwball comedy kind of stuff. I don't appreciate 
a lot of like Adam Sandler's early work or like Will Ferrell or stuff like that. Like it doesn't do anything for me. It's, I don't find yeah. it funny. Right, right. Slapstick, I, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff is just like not enjoyable. Yeah, you got to have the like deep themes yeah, that right. come yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. And I also wanted to add an honorable mention that I love movie musicals. Movie musicals, yeah. Yes, they're yeah. the best. So when you think of like your favorite movies, I know you touched on having themes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. What do you kind of fall to in what makes a movie great for you? Mm, yeah. I mean, the first thing for me is just really strong characters. Mm. Um, and maybe that comes from my background as an actor and a dabbler in writing, but to me, that is what is the most interesting, and I think that that is what causes the most interesting conflict are strong characters who love or hate each other or have to do something together, and I think that that is what draws me to the movies that I like, are that I find their performances so compelling, I find the characters so interesting, um, so that's a really big one. I also... I like movies that are really character driven um, just because I find that they're the most interesting. They provide the most insight into humanity, which is kind of why I think a lot of us enjoy watching movies. We like to see ourselves. We like to learn about ourselves. We like to learn about the people around us. Um, One of the things too that Zach and I were talking about recently is that I really like movies that grow in conflict and like nothing gets resolved along the way and the conflict keeps escalating and like piling on and piling on and piling on until there's like a big tie it all together moment at the end um and zach was like you just love grand gestures you want everything to be a grand gesture in the end i was like well i guess that's true i'm a little a little romantic i like a nice like huge Hmm. come together at the end um (laughs) so like when i find myself really compelled in those situations because it's just not the way that life works usually like your life doesn't build to these huge moments in the way it does in movies and to me it helps me kind of parcel out all the different conflicts in my own life and see them as something that's coming together like weaving together and so i feel Hmm. like that's why i really like that in movies i think um that's really interesting the way you're like describing what makes a good movie for you because i think i can see all those things in all three of the movies that you've picked which i think is why (laughs) why it'll be really interesting to kind of talk about them and compare them and contrast them and yeah i think the the character driven stuff and also even as far as like the building to one big climactic moment at the end really really shows through all three of them so I think this would be a good time to take a little bit of an ad break and then we'll come back and talk about these three movies. Great. And we're back to the pod with Chris and Fanna with our three favorite movies or three movies that she loves triple feature the triple, triple feature. feature cool so let's jump into your first uh your first pick here Kristen. yeah so my first pick is by far my favorite movie like 
it's not just a movie that I think is a good quality movie. It's literally my favorite movie. Mm. I could watch it anytime, any day. Uh, and so it is Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> wow. Cool. So, Noah, how about you read out that synopsis there? Sure, sure thing. All right. This dysfunctional Hoover family embarks on a road trip in their VW van across the country for seven-year-old Olive to compete in the Little Miss Sunshine pageant. So this is directed by a husband and wife duo, Jonathan mm-hmm. Dayton and Valerie Ferris. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture and Best Supporting Actress for Abigail Breslin. And it won Best Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor, Alan Arker, Arkin. Mm. Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. <laughs> uh, and I read that he only had like, I think it wasn't even 40 minutes of screen time. And yeah, he, yeah. He still yeah. won that, which is awesome. So got some Academy Awards in there. Academy Award winning Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> yeah, that's 2006. right. <laughs> uh, so why don't you jump into talking about this a little bit? Yeah, so... Uh, spoiler alert, I just want to talk about it as a complete movie, so it will be what it is. Um, yep. So this is, oh man, this is one of my favorite movies ever. First, I think the clearest reason why it's so good is the writing, um, which is mm. obviously validated in that it won the Academy Award for writing that year. It is just one of the tightest screenplays, I think, that exists. Everything comes back together in it. Uh, everything is intentional there's so much so many little nuggets in the writing of this film that allow you to not only enjoy the story that's being told but see so deeply into each character and each plot point and i think it's just really really remarkable plus it's really funny it's a really funny movie and it's a really heartfelt movie there's some real gut punches in Mm. it um which to me is like my favorite thing. Um, I love the combination of those two. Um, and I think that you can't have one without the other um, in order to make it impactful. I love the performances in this film as well. Um, you may see a theme in some of my movies that I am obsessed with Steve Carell. He is one of my favorite people, favorite actors, favorite comedians, favorite dramatic actors i think his work in this is just phenomenal and what i really like about this movie too is that it's clearly an ensemble piece you can't take any characters out of this movie um they all are so reliant on each other and each of them brings a really unique facet of humanity of personal struggles especially with failure with success with desire with longing And most importantly, the need to be included um, and to have a place and people that you can be yourself around. And what I like about it is that they're all kind of underdogs. None Mm. of them have their life together and they're able to find a place to be themselves and to find their family through it. Um, Yeah. Anyways, I don't know if you guys have any other questions. Yeah, it's so genuinely funny, too. Oh, yeah. Like, even when it's handling these, like, deeper subjects, Mm -hmm. like the scene in the hospital Mm -hmm. and everything, Mm -hmm. you're just like, (laughs) how do they come up with this stuff? And I, yeah, that's one thing that I loved about it when I watched it is I was just like, 
laughing at the different ways that they made the characters so interesting Mm -hmm. but also like unlikable in some ways but you're like Mm -hmm. this is because they're they're real like right they feel like real human characters that you would have problems with but you also still love and it's just like working out all those little nuances of how a family works yeah I think the writing of the characters is really good and what makes that it makes it really funny and really dramatic as well. And also even the little details like um, one detail I picked out when I watched it last night is how Paul Dano's character Dwayne how when he's setting the table he has like the paper plates and he just like chucks them to each (laughs) like section and it's like it's not really he's kind of in like the corner of the frame it's not like really focusing on his hand doing that but it's like so many little details that make the characters who they are and it really adds up to a really great and tight-knit ensemble that like you said i think if you take any one of them out it kind of falls apart Mm-hmm, for sure and it feels like a road trip too that you take with your family when people like are yelling at each other in the car yeah. and you always yeah. have a heated moment where like one of the kids stomps off out of anger you know right. Paulino's angsty teenage acting of course yeah well and now you see him looking out the window like longingly it's just so funny like <laughs> those long road trips where it's like when is this gonna end right <laughs> And I like the family conflict in it. I, I think it's like perfectly summed up in the moment when Dwayne, Paul Dano's character, has his outburst. Yeah. And nobody knows what to do. And they're like, do we leave him? Do we keep going? Like, we can't leave him. So we're just standing. What are we supposed to do? Right. And um, Olive, Abigail Breslin's character, just makes her way down the hill, just kind of puts her arm around her brother. Mm-hmm. And they all just kind of take a breath. And they're like, all right, let's carry on. And they walk back up to the family and Dwayne is just like, sorry, I didn't mean it. And they're like, doesn't matter. Let's move on. And they get back in the car and they shove the car so that it starts going again. And (laughs) so funny. And like when I watch that, it just, it makes my heart so mushy because that's how my family is. Like you have these outbursts, you have these moments and then you're like, okay, it's fine. Moving forward. Yeah, it's so real. The other thing I wanted to mention is I love a good dance break. And (laughs) the first time I watched this one, I thought I was going to pee my pants during the the, um, beauty pageant. (laughs) I had no idea it was coming. And so now as like one of my personal pump ups when I'm feeling bad about myself or like I need a little inspiration, I put mm-hmm. on Super Freak and I do Abigail Breslin's little dance routine. Just yeah. Because like sometimes you just need to know that you're a freak and the world is a disaster and people are so stupid. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it's great because the whole time, like obviously you really want her to succeed because right. it's this dream that he, she has. Right. They drove 900 miles, like geez. Yeah. Like you don't know anything about her routine what she's gonna do and like you're like come on she's prepared for this and then she like does this and you're just like ah like she's just like the rest of them it's amazing but the the thing is it's like when you watch it you're like i probably should have expected this because no one's seen the dance routine and it was like the grandpa that made it so it's like when you're watching you're like i probably should have seen this coming like what else did i expect 
But it's so funny, and it also, I think, is the perfect example of the mixing the comedy with the more dramatic elements because it's a, I think what really elevates it is seeing each family member go up there and join her in the mm-hmm. dance and mm-hmm. I think that's what really like it's just a really full circle moment and it's yeah. like the just like you said the big climactic moment where this whole road trip was just this <laughs> huge disaster and it's like just the big ending when yeah. uh, it's so good. Yeah. Well, and it just, it ties everything up because each character was looking for something. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, they each individually make the decision to just be free and to right. be with the people that care about them and, and fuck yeah. the rest, you know? Right. And I love that. I just, I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a big middle finger to the corporation too. So that's Yeah. I love them <laughs> trying to get them off the stage. And yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine, 2006. This is, I can't believe this is this old. I know. And when I was rewatching it, I just rewatched it last night as well. I just, it holds up. It doesn't feel very dated to me. I don't know. No, the cinematography, I think, does not feel like a 2006 movie. Yeah. I think it looks really great. Well, it's also funny that, that it was kind of more of a low budget sort of movie, but it has all these people in it whose names are really big now. Yeah, right. But at the time, like, because I even wrote in our, like, fun fact, Steve Carell, because he hadn't done The 40-Year-Old Virgin yet. It mm-hmm. w- hadn't come out. And Mm -hmm. the office hadn't come out. And so they were like, we have this no-name guy playing this character who's kind of one of the pivotal cores of the movie. And they almost cut him from production. Uh. And then, like, all of a sudden, in between, you know, he won, I think it was, like, a Golden Globe or something. And then these movies came out. And he was, like, the main center of production and all the posters, the trailers. The lead billing. (laughs) Which is so crazy to me. And then now you're, like, it has Paul Dano in it. Even Abigail Breslin was pretty big for a time. I don't know what. Tony Collette. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so good. And, like, Greg Kinnear was kind of on the, like, end side of his fame so it's like he's a big name everybody knew yeah it's well what's funny is like i feel like at the time he probably was what they were expecting to be like the big build actor and now he's like the one where you're watching it and like who's this who's this guy yeah like my like 20 year old sister is like who is that i'm like oh boy all right (laughs) awesome so that's the first movie little miss sunshine Cool. So let's get into your second pick. Yeah. So this one, I was really interested to see if you guys had seen it before. I had seen it. Okay. Had. I watched it for this. Okay. I don't know what the popularity level of it is, so I don't. I don't know if people generally like it or dislike. I don't know how it's perceived. But my number two is Date Night, which is a comedy starring Steve Carell and Tina Fey. And a lot of pe- other, there's like oh, every it's scene, it's pet. like, oh, okay, here's someone else. Absolutely. It is a star-studded comedy film. <laughs> it is. I, I think I originally watched it because uh, I hadn't seen it before, and I was like, oh, Steve Carell and Tina Fey, yeah. let's watch this. Totally. Totally. And by directed by Sean Levy. Sean Levy. Who yes. directed Night at the Museum. <laughs> and Cheaper by the Dozen One. Okay. Gotta get that one in there. That's Great a movies. And True. Pink Panther. Also, he what I think is the most important work is he is great at a mid season arc. 
He's the director of episodes three and four of every season of Stranger Things, which is like when the shit hits the fan. And so that's like the whole essence of this movie is right. just. He's like the opposite of J.J. Abrams. Right. Yeah, like seriously. J.J. Abrams starts him and then he's like, I don't know what to do. Cool. So, Kristen, uh, if you have the synopsis up of it, do you want to read the synopsis sure. of this film? Um, so, Date Night. Phil and Claire Foster go out on a date night to try to bring more excitement to what they feel is a boring marriage. When they try to go to a new pop-in restaurant and can't seem to get in, they steal someone else's reservation and get mistaken for that couple, who are accused of stealing a flash drive from their mob boss, Joe Maletto. One of my favorite bits is just how mad everyone gets when they tell them that they stole the reservation. It's like everything else in the scene drops and they're like, you stole someone's reservation? It's like a collective crime. No matter what kind of person you are, you can agree that stealing someone's reservation is bad (laughs) there's so much that happens in this movie like when i was trying to write the synopsis i was like going back and forth because i was like what did i even write like there's just so much yeah it's a it's a it's a wild ride if you've not seen it it starts out as something totally different than how it kind of progresses Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah this movie is another one of my top favorite movies of all time. And it's really different. I know it's not the most like popular or like coolest movie out there, but I just think it has so much heart and it's really funny. I mean, it's exactly the kind of humor that I like. It's all situational humor. It's very funny. And this movie was a movie that I saw before I was married, um, which I am now. But um, I saw it before with a group of my girlfriends and we thought it was so funny and so great, but I was so enamored by it because of the insight into marriage uh, that is in this movie, which Mm. is such a funny thing because it's a comedy and like it's not something that is on the forefront of people's mind when they're writing comedy. But I think that they talk about a lot of things that now as a married person, I find to be so relatable. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, they're driving home from their book club and they're both (laughs) a little bit like worried and peeved and you hear Heartbreak Warfare playing and I always get really like emotional because I know that moment. I know that moment of holding all this stuff in your heart and wanting to share it and you're sitting next to someone that you care about and you don't feel like you can talk about it and you're kind of wishing you could have something else and but you don't want to do something bad like right and so one of my favorite lines in the movie is steve carell's character asks tina fey's character would you ever leave me like who would Mm. you leave me for like what would you do and she's like i don't know i don't want to leave you that's like way too much work if anything like i fantasize about just being alone and sitting in an air-conditioned room with no sticky children touching me drinking a diet sprite and i have found that to be so relatable in my own marriage where it's like Sometimes you just get so burnt out and think you just get into these like mundane routines. And what I like about this movie is it's allowing these two characters to kind of rediscover why they love each other and mm. why they work so well together, why they're a good team, why their marriage is a really strong and fun thing that they thought was going to be so boring. Um, so I really love that. I also, I just think it's so funny. I like watching two normal people go through all these trials that are like way out of their skill set because they get caught up in this like 
mob government, like the DA is blackmailing this mob boss, all this kinds of crazy stuff. And they are being, you know, tracked because people think that they have the flash drive, et cetera. And so they're put in these crazy situations where they have to figure out what to do. And it's Tina Fey and Steve Carell, like not knowing what to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a movie. I think it's like the last of its kind almost Mm. in that, there is probably not going to ever be as at least for a long time like just a comedy like this with this many stars that's released theatrically Mm -hmm. i think that this is a lot more like a netflix original fair now even something this year the lovebirds which is basically this basically the same thing (laughs) the same the same thing and it's almost it's cool to watch as almost even a time capsule like seeing these kind of movies being released in theaters which you would never see now and i think it is we it is a something that's missing from a lot of studio releases just a little more you mean there are a lot of crazy things that happen in this movie but more like a low like a just a more low-key fun but also that has a lot of heart like you said Mm -hmm. and just a lot there are a lot of things to say in this like especially in the scene two-thirds in they're in the car and like the conversations they have in there mm-hmm. and even the conversations in between the bigger set pieces that go on. Yeah. I think it's something that's missing in a lot of theatrically released studio released movies. Totally. I don't have many comments because I ha- I watched this like a year and a half ago, maybe like sometime in 2019. And whenever I think about it in my head, I always mix it up with, or like mix parts of it with Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's the other date movie that he's in? I don't know. I just like, in my head, I I'm, I mix them up. No, yeah. There's like a lot of those like mid-career Steve Carell movies, I feel like, that totally. like, kind of, you could definitely just binge them for a week, like. they they go pretty well together yeah and like there was a bunch of those like kind of smaller budget movies like the way way back that he was in and dan in real life and like the way way back is underrated honestly he still does stuff like that too i mean like he'll he'll be in these kind of bigger movies or bigger stuff like obviously space force was really big marketed as a netflix original but then he's also in stuff like the new movie Irresistible that just mm. came out with yeah. John Stewart, uh, directed by John Stewart, and then like Beautiful Boy, where he's oh, doing like man, drama one of my stuff. Faves. <laughs> oh God, talk about a we gut love punch. a good uh, Timmy Chalamet oh, movie yeah, too. Yeah. That's so true. No, yeah, he has an interesting career for sure. One of the most it's, like it's cool that he in both of these movies that you've had so far with him in it, mm-hmm. he plays such different roles yes um but it's cool to see him kind of do different stuff like that yeah for sure cool yeah i like this is a this is a fun pick because like you said i think <laughs> not many people would expect this one so no I'm glad that you had no this definitely not. <laughs> yeah it didn't really make it into the mainstream but for whatever reason i just latched onto it and it's a really tight script it's a tight comedy it is really smart um And it's just, it's really fun because you can tell that there's a really good combination of a strong script and then also allowing these like phenomenal comedians to improvise within Mm. the confines of the script. 
um, which is really exciting to me. I really like the bloopers at the end. Like at the end of the film, they have during the credits, like outtakes slash bloopers slash alternate scenes where like you watch them do the same thing, like maybe three times. And each time they're just kind of improvising different Mm. lines and I just think that's so fun and so great. And I I love when films can be made collaboratively like that between writers and actors and allowing like the vision of both to come together to make something that's really, really smart. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it says a lot that all three of these films are sub two hours. I think that the tight script Mm. thing is is definitely a through line. Definitely. And I mean, for me... I am not, I'm not captivated by a lot of cinematography stuff or that kind of thing. Like to me, it's all character and it's all plot and I don't have time. I'm a busy woman. I don't have time to sit around for three hours and watch, you know, people staring out windows. I, Which I want is it to so be funny because I feel like that's completely the opposite of how Noah and I like, <laughs> choose or watch movies in a way. I mean, obviously we both care about character and story too. No, yeah. I mean... This next movie you have, I love, so... It's, yeah, it's like, we watch a lot of longer stuff and, like, focus on these technical aspects that you <laughs> probably don't think about as much as we yeah. do. Well, and yeah. I think that also just comes from your background, like, and what you're approaching movies with, right? Like, mm-hmm. for me, it's all about performance because that's what I am studying in myself, and so that's what I'm studying in films, and that's what I get the most enjoyment out of, and it's very cyclical and you know I think that if you are wanting like a bigger experience sometimes those films that are so grand and have beautiful cinematography or new technology all that stuff they're so intriguing and yeah like you're just saying Noah I think this the last film I have is like a place where all of that kind of comes together Mm -hmm. so I'm excited to like talk about that because I know we all agree on it Um, yeah let's get into it then yeah so the last choice uh, for my third feature in our triple feature is Whiplash uh, by Damien Chazelle. And it's another one of my favorites. Um, And it's a really smart, high-energy, great performance film. Cool. So I'll read the synopsis here. Andrew, an extremely talented drummer, enrolls at a prestigious music conservatory and is taken on by a ruthless instructor who pushes him to achieve greatness as a drummer. I'm really glad we can talk about this movie. I like this. So this movie... Again, directed by Damien Chazelle. Originally, it was a short film yeah. because he could not secure funding for the script and his kind of pitch. So he made it as a short film, which ended up getting accepted to Sundance and secured funding based on that for the feature mm-hmm. length, uh, which is awesome. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Writing, Best Supporting Actor, which it won. Best Film Editing, which it won, and Best Sound Mixing, which it won. So definitely a very renowned, critically acclaimed film. I think um, one thing that you have here was really interesting is that it was one of the lowest grossing films to be nominated for Best Picture. Hmm. So I think what's cool is that it was able to garner so much acclaim, but like it still is such a small small movie, which is really interesting. Well, and when it came out, um, I saw it in theaters, but I didn't see it in theaters until after the Academy nominations for that year. Right, right. So it's like I probably wouldn't have gone to see it just in general, but then I see all the Oscar nominated films. And so I was going to see it. And I distinctly remember sitting in the theater and me and Zach were there together and we were just like, 
like on the edge of our seat. Yeah. Like our legs were like bouncing yeah. up and down. We're like it's most well, some of the most anxiety ridden films. Oh yeah, ever. so oh, high word. energy, so crazy. And we both like finished the movie and we were like panting and just kind of sitting in our yeah. seats. We're like, let's just sit for a sec. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the ending is so it's so ambiguous and so like it leaves you at such a high point yeah that it's like it's one of those where you have to sit for five minutes and kind of process it which yeah, is yeah right my, which is so great totally well and what i really really love about this film and, and is a kind of a through line for all of damien Chazelle's movies is i love the combination of like t- storytelling through music and then also through like intense quiet dialogue scenes so like this is another movie where I feel the script is insanely tight. It's a really, really poignant, quick, fast-paced, point-to-point script. But there are so many sections of the film where there isn't dialogue. And then that is counteracted with sections of the film where there are like lengthy scenes between two characters where they're having like a really strong discussion about something really central to the film. And so I just think that that is so interesting, the way that it's it's constructed. Um, because I hadn't, at, at least at that point, I hadn't really seen anything like it before. And I was so moved by the storytelling, the, that style of storytelling. No, yeah, yeah. And I think this is probably one of the biggest examples of what you were saying, where it builds up so much until that mm-hmm. final scene. Especially even maybe the scene like a few time a few minutes before where um again like kind of spoilers but like when he drives to the place and then he forgets his drumstick and he goes back and he gets in the car yeah. crash and then he's oh, running man. to the and it's like it's just seen at, it's like moment after moment after moment mm-hmm. and you think like it can't get any more intense and then it does and the 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 music i think adds to that in such a great way and i think i'm glad this one best editing because it's all in the editing where Mm -hmm. all the all the drumming and the snare hits and then just the quick cuts and it really adds to the intensity of the moments and also the feeling of what the characters are feeling and especially the main character yeah for sure yeah and i i love the performances in this film um and i wish that miles teller had gotten a little bit more recognition for his work in it um because he is he goes so freaking hard and i love the scenes of him working him drumming the in-class scenes etc all the Mm. action of it is great but i mean probably my favorite scene in the film is the scene between him and the character nicole the his his girlfriend um when they're at the diner and he's talking he's breaking up with her and it's this like beautiful succinct scene that is so awful and he mm. just kind of delivers it straight. And it's one of those scenes that at least like as an actor, it's done a lot in classes and workshops that I've taken because it's so well written. It, it gives you all the stakes of the characters. It's a great um, source of conflict. There's a lot of give and take. And so like, I think that his performance, not just in be able, being able to perform the action of the film, but also the quiet moments and the conflict and all that stuff in the dialogue is really, really stunning. Yeah. I think his character is really well written Mm -hmm. and I think the progression of his character is great because at the beginning he's pretty likable, I think. And you can see the traits that are going to come out as the film goes on that are brought out by the 
the jazz conductor. And it's like a slow progression of him getting more and more obsessed with the drumming and with with his work. And another great scene is the the dinner scene where yes, he's yes. kind of like where like they're all kind of talking about his cousin I think it is or someone that he's related to like him going yeah. to college and I think that each, the movie progresses so well and then you get a bit of the release um when you think he's done drumming but then he meets up with JK Sivan's character again and it all kind of comes back to the forefront and then it just kind of leaves you and it's yeah. like really i think adds to what makes the film so great because you don't really know like what it's saying you can kind of take what you think it's saying more and it's like is perfection Mm -hmm. attainable and is it worth attaining you know absolutely yeah i just love i love this movie so much which damien chazelle's so good at doing in all of his work is making those kind of stories and endings Mm -hmm. yeah Well, and they really hit me so hard because, especially whiplash of his films, because there are so many times where I want to be ruthless. Like, I'm an aggressive person, and I really care about my career, and I care about being the best that I can be, Mm. and I'm someone who is striving for perfection in healthy ways and unhealthy ways, you know? And... I especially remember the experience of watching this the first time because at least through the first like half of the movie, you were right there with him where you're like, Mm. yeah, cut off the extra weight. Like you do what it takes to get ahead. Like, come on, come on. And then like you see the madness starting to set in and like you realize that like this director may not be doing (laughs) things in the proper way. Like this may actually be abuse. We're not sure. You know, like, and to me, like, it kind of allowed me to experience all of that in the ways that like sometimes I desire to experience that in a way that's safe because I'm watching it in a movie, you know? And so I love that exploration and it's kind of the only film I've seen at least that really, really gets into that um, and takes it to like the farthest extreme. Awesome. Uh, Do you have like any closing thoughts on any of the movies, them as a whole kind of, I don't know, whatever yeah. you kind of want to want to talk about. Totally. They're all worth watching. So if you haven't seen them, I highly recommend. They're really different. So that's they are. fun. Yeah, there's one for everybody. Someone yeah. can, Absolutely. Can, out of all three of these, someone <laughs> can find something that they'll like. I agree. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I like all of them. I think for me personally, I really love movies that kind of like end with a little bit of hope for the future. Mm. Not in a sappy way, like not in a saccharine way, but Mm. in a small little still quiet way because that's kind of how I go through my life. I'm a pretty like cynical person and it's hard sometimes to carry on. And so I love these movies because they allow people to go through all this hardship. And then at the end, there's just like, just a little bit of hope. And Mm. that is really moving to me. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. This was great. I, I, I'm glad I had a reason to talk about some of these movies and watch them because I totally. think they're they're all worth watching. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Well, how about you plug all your social medias so if people want to follow your acting journey, follow your uh, puppy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, I am at Kristen.fanif. 
for pretty much everything. Um, I'm really only active on Instagram. I probably have accounts on everything else, but they're probably not worth following. But my Instagram is popping, so go check that out. Um, you can also follow my adorable puppy, Penny. She's at Penny Faniff. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't really have any projects coming up at the moment because uh, things are in a little bit of a standstill. For our next episode, we are going to be looking at the past weekend in movies, so the weekend of July 10th, by reviewing three new releases. So those will be First Cow, which is a VOD release, Palm Springs, which is a Hulu original, and The Old Guard, which is a Netflix original. So you can get ready for that episode by checking out those three movies. And that episode will be available on July 20th. So get ready for that. You can follow us on social media at Secondhand Film on Twitter, at Secondhand Film Pod on Facebook and Instagram. And until next time, I'm Kayla. And I'm Noah. And I'm Kristen. And, and we're, we're your, your Secondhand, secondhand Film, film Critics. critics. critics.